Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. We are on uh, part two of uh, Gospel Exalting Qualifications of Deacons. And we were able to emphasize last week that uh, there's a little bit of an irony here because we are talking about servants and deacons are servants, of course. But instead of talking about how they serve or where they're going to serve, um, Paul focused, nag-focus po si Paul dun sa uh, godliness, no? sa godliness ng any deacon in the church and the strength of their faith. Yung po yung finocus ni, ni Paul. So very different from how we will probably give qualifications for those who are serving in the church. We might say you need to have uh, these gifts or you need to be good in doing these things. And there's something that we need to learn here, and, and that is that when we talk about serving the Lord, our life is very important. Our life is very important. That's why our main idea last week, let me just simply read this again, uh, just for us to be reminded. Here's our main idea. Deacons who have served well are those who have a good and well-rounded testimony of their faith in the gospel to the church and their community. So they are a well-rounded testimony. Um, may it be in church, may it be in their workplace, may it be in their homes, may it be in their neighborhoods. They should have a good testimony. And we're beginning to see that Paul is really trying to build up a picture of the integrity of uh, the deacon. Deacon should have the integrity. Deacons should be trusted. And as we've learned last week, deacons should be um, respectable. Deacons should be trustworthy. Now, Paul wanted to see, again, the integrity of the deacon by showing to us that any deacon, any deacon should be, should consistently honor God in all areas of life. May it be in his control of self, it's, it's a, um, an eye-opener to me as well that if you want to be respectable, you need to be able to control yourself in areas that immature people might have a hard time controlling themselves. You cannot be intoxicated with wine, just as I would say you cannot be intoxicated with Facebook uh, today and be controlled. which actually makes a deacon a dignified person. But not only that one, he needs to have a deep understanding and conviction of the faith. He should not be one who wavers in his conviction in uh, the faith. And then we, lastly, we look at last week that he has to have a proven blamelessness. Proven blameless. Over a period of time, he was able to consistently display 
a life of godliness, a life of holiness, a life of integrity. So today we will continue to look at the maturity of the deacon. If you remember, we only have two main points, maturity and uh, strong in the faith. And the second one we will be looking at, uh, deacon should have a great testimony and great confidence in the faith. And we are in the middle of point number one. We are still building it up. And we are down to the last two subpoints of the first point. And that is, deacons should have dignified wife, dignified wives, and um, they should be faithful in all their family roles. And then we will jump to point number two after that. So let's start. So we are done with dignified, strong in the faith, proven blameless. The fourth thing that we find here, if deacons are mature and strong in the faith, is that they have a dignified wife. A dignified wife. It all the more reminds me that even pastorate is not just the calling of the man. Along with it, the wife is It's also a calling. And even for deacons, Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11, Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, sober-minded, faithful in all things. Now, before we will go to those details, there's something that we need to settle down today because this passage is not as easy to interpret as it might seem. As it might seem. Because of that word, wives. So we, we will first deal with the question, is the office of the deacon for men only or if women can be deacons in the church? Obviously, the ESV, those who translated the ESV, uh, their take is wives. You can already understand that their take is that um, deacon, men are the only ones who can be deacons. But let's spend time and look at the controversy in this passage. Now, the controversial issue which divided even the most health or the healthiest of pastors and theologians revolves around the Greek word gunaikas, which translated in our translation, wives. The word is actually a generic one. It can be translated women, it can be translated wives. And in cases like this, it's okay. Even today, uh, there are words that we use generically. It can be applied to a girl and can be applied to uh, the men, right? There, there are generic words, and that's just fine. In most cases in the scripture, it is the context that determines. And that's what we will be dealing with. Uh, today. So what is so controversial about this? Well, those who insisted that etupung gunaikas should be translated wives, it's not only about interpretation, it is actually for theological purposes. Ang argument po nila dito is that women over wives. So dapat women ang pagka-translate uh, over the translation, wives. Because they argue 
that this supports their claim that women should be allowed to the office of the deacons. Now, by the way, po, another, ano, because at that time, the word deacon is actually um, a masculine word. Okay, a masculine word meaning it's for males. But record shows that at that time, wala pa pong word for deaconesses. And so they said that for that reason, kaya lang ginamit ni Paul yung word na deacon, the masculine form, is that wala pang word na female version of the word deacon at that time, only at the 4th century na may mga letters or may mga writings na gumagamit na po ng word translated deaconesses. Now, even yung mga talagang ang stand po nila pwede po yung women, they would have to deal with this passage. Because this is the only passage. Uh, the, the passage in Romans chapter 16, verse 1 and 2, that says, that calls Phoebe a servant. Because we already know last week that the word um, uh, diakonos, diakonos, is generic also. It's also generic. It can also be used to simply mean servant. It's a servant. That would not help because Romans chapter 16 verses 1 and 2 does not talk about if women can be deacons or not. It doesn't deal. It just calls Phoebe a diaconus. Okay? It can be, it, and it does not say it is an office. Because elsewhere later on, I want to show you that that word diaconus was also applied uh, to men. Okay? To men who are not deacons, who were not deacons. Pastors, even to Jesus, it was applied. Jesus, our diaconus. Our diaconus. So it's not at all times that the word deacon to mean office. It can mean just a servant. And so even those who stand that women can be deacons, they know they have to deal with 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Because this is the main passage. This is the main passage. So allow me today to, to deal with this controversy and for the reason that after this sermon, you already know our stand as a church. Okay? I don't want to give you haphazard explanation. Uh, basta ito na yung stand ng church, tanggapin nyo na lang. I want you to understand from the passage. I want us to understand from the text. So let me first give you, to be fair on this one, let me first give you the argument raised by those who are in favor of women deacon in, from 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. Now the primary argument, the primary argument is the word likewise. Strange, no? Ito word na likewise. You'll see that one in verse 8, and you'll see that one in verse 11. And that's their primary argument. Because of the word, likewise. They said that the flow of the thought of Paul is he was coming from um, giving us the qualification of an elder. And then we come to verse 8. Paul said, likewise. Likewise the deacon. In other words, they said that the word likewise is introducing a new office. And then in verse 11... Of course, Paul said 
their wives likewise. And so they interpreted that one to mean that Paul is about to introduce a new office. Uh, there's something strange because even if, if it's, if women can be deacon, Paul is not introducing a new office. Isn't it? Because if there's women deacon, then she's also a deacon. But they argued for that. And then they said, and also the word must is present in verse 2, it's present in verse 8 and verse 11, which according to them, points to these women deacons to be expected to adhere in the same way that the elders and the male deacons are expected to adhere to their qualifications. So the first argument is likewise. The second argument, they argued that Paul did not give a qualification for the elders' wives. Have you noticed it? In verses 1 to 7, there was, there's no qualifications given to the wives. And yet they said it is so strange that when you come to the deacon, suddenly the women, the, the, the wives of the deacons will be given a qualification. To be fair, they have an argument, isn't it? And lastly, they thought it favors their argument to point that the qualifications in verse 11, if you notice, is the same as the qualifications in verse 8. So they're saying that, look, the qualifications asked by Paul for these women is the same as the qualification for deacons. So they must be deacons. That's the conclusion. They must be, uh, there must be women deacons at the time. Are you still following? And so again, to be fair, um, we, we cannot deny that there is an argument. We cannot deny that there is an argument. We cannot undermine these arguments. And besides, there is really ambiguity. You know, ambiguity is that it can go either way. With the word gunaikas. Thus, let me just say this to be balanced and fair. Unlike the office of the elders, that there should be no argument, I would say. When it comes to the office of the elders, there should be no argument that only men can be in the eldership. Because Paul said, I do not allow women to teach in the presence of men. We can respect the churches who have women deacons. Okay? We can respect churches who have women deacons. It's okay. Breathe. You know, this is not a point of division. This is a point of liberty. Um, outside the church and even inside the church. If just so that you know, this is our stand in the church. But if it is not your stand, it's okay. We can show grace to one another. However, why then do we believe that this refers to the wife of the deacon instead of a teaching on deaconesses? Why do we believe that the office of the deacon uh, or men are called to the office of the deacon? Now, let me start by saying that when there is ambiguity, and this is um, a hermeneutical rule, if there is ambiguity, the most natural reading of the passage should be maintained. 
the most natural reading of the passage should be maintained, which I find the interpretation wise to be the most natural reading. I will be giving several arguments, but it all boils down to the argument that Paul was actually giving the qualifications of a deacon in the church in verses 8 to 13. That's the natural reading. That Paul, from verse 8 to 13, he was giving qualifications for deacons in the church. And he was not making a segue. So let me give you uh, some of this argument. First, and notice carefully, it disrupts the natural flow of Paul's thought if we would suddenly insert a qualification for women deacon. From verses 8 to 10, Paul was giving qualifications of deacons. And then it is also clear, of course, that verses 12 to 13 also talk about the qualifications of the deacons. Because if not, Paul said, he must be a husband of one wife. He went back to that. So very clear that it disrupts. It, if you push that Paul is inserting another office and then went back to the office of the male deacons, it disrupts the flow of Paul. It feels more natural to read verses 8 to 13 as Paul giving quali- the qualifications for deacons. Secondly, well, there is ambiguity for us readers today. Paul would not write to be intentionally, to intentionally be unclear. He would not be, ah, bahala ng church, paano nila interpret No. Our God is a God of order. And Paul understood that one. He was the one who said that one in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He was not a God of confusion. So Paul would never be intentional in making himself unclear. Now, if Paul wanted to mean women deacons, now I understand that there's no such a thing as deaconesses. He could have put the word deacon right beside the word gunaikas. Right? He could have put that together so that we can read it, women deacons. Okay? Women deacons. But he did not. It seems likely that he was just giving another qualification for the deacons, which is their wives should also be dignified. Thirdly, thirdly, this best fits well with verse 12. And if you look at verse 12, the word gunaikas in verse 12, Oh, sorry. This best fits verse 12 because if you look at verse 11 and verse 12, Paul is talking about family life of the deacon, right? Verse 10 and then verse 11, he said, husband of one wife managing his children and the rest of his household. It seems like from verse 11 to verse 12, Paul is talking about the family life of the deacon. Fourthly, There was a need to address the wives of the deacons, I would say. And this is a very strong argument. Who will most likely join the deacons in their ministry. While the wives of the elders could not teach together with their husband. Are you with me? 
For women deacons, they're, sorry. For deacons, their wives cannot jo- can join them in the diaconal work. Okay, diaconal work is service work. The work of service. They can join. But the wife of a pastor, the wife of an elder who teaches and preaches, they cannot join in the ministry of preaching and teaching because it is solely relegated to the men. It is for this reason that Paul had to be very clear that because your wives are joining you, your wives should also display the same dignity and respectability. Look at Matthew Henry's comment on this one. All who are related to ministers must double their care to work as becomes the gospel of Christ. Lest, if they in anything walk disorderly, he's, he's actually referring here because this is a commentary on verse 11. The ministry be blamed. Right? It will bring shame to the ministry, he's saying. So Paul wanted to make sure that the office of the deacon would not be taken lightly as even today, Sometimes, again, uh, the expectations for the pastors are high, but the expectations for the um, deacons sometimes is not that high. But Paul is saying, why is it so? When it comes to life and character and faith, the same qualification is expected from the elder and also the deacons. So again, Paul wanted to make sure that the office of the deacon would not be taken lightly so that the wives of the deacon would not be held with the same standard. Which is many times, it is almost automatic that there is some sort of expectations from the wives of the pastor. In fact, this is true in the Philippines. The wife of the pastor will be called pastora. (laughs) Very uncomfortable because... Pastora, pastora. It is almost automatic. But you don't hear that one when it comes to deacons. Because many times they are not in the spotlight. So for that two reasons, I believe Paul has to put it there. Fifth. The wife, the word wife in verse 12 is actually the word gunaikas. And that word is translated as wife in verse 12. Now most scholars insisted that however you interpret verse 11 should be the way you interpret verse 12. So if verse 12 is clearly interpreted as wife, then why would you not interpret verse 11 as wife? That's gunaikas. Lastly, in response to the argument that those who favor the women of, of those who favor the, the, the women deacon, that because verse 11 is the same qualification as verse 8, they said, then it means these women are expected to be the same as that deacons in verse 8. And their conclusion again is that it is a proof that these are women. Deacons, but it is odd because 
why would you, if, if that's really the office of the deacon, then why would you give another or at least lesser um, qualifications for women deacons from that of the male, male deacons? Because if it's really in that case, then Paul should have said as well that you also have to be a wife of one husband, for example. But it did not say. Like, it is odd that if you have a woman mayor, your expectation will be different if you have a male mayor. If, if that's a mayor, that's the same qualification, supposedly. So every qualifications then from verses 8 to 13 should also be asked for women uh, uh, deacons. So, again, I'll go back to my main argument. And my main argument is the most natural reading of verse 11 refers to the wives of the deacons. Because Paul is giving the qualifications of the deacon in verses 8 to 11, which includes their wives to be dignified. Now, yung asawa ng deacon is also respected by the community of the faith. Now, there are more, there are two more that I need to address outside for, from 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11. One, Remember that all deacons appointed in Acts chapter 6 were men. And think with me for a moment. Do you really think uh, that there, no, there were no women in Acts chapter 6 verse 3? Because these are the qualifications being said there. Do you really think that there were no women in, in the church at the time who were of good repute and full of the Spirit? What do you think? At that time... Do you think there were no women who were good, of good repute and full of the Spirit? I would argue with all my heart. There were a lot of strong women. Most likely the Marys were there. Remember the Marys. All the, all the apostles and disciples left Jesus. Who was left when Jesus was crucified? The Marys. No, the Marys. These were strong women. These were men, women of good repute. They probably have gained a great reputation. Wow, you were so strong. You did not leave Jesus. Up when the Jesus was in the cross, you were still there. Why didn't the, the apostles appoint, me, appoint them to be one of those who will head the leader of those who will serve on tables. Remember another thing is that, remember that serving on tables, who's good to this? Women. Women. Martha is there probably. And she's, she's a varsity when it comes to cooking and doing this thing. She's, she's a varsity. She's legit. She should have been part of it. But no. All of the deacons in Acts 6 were men. Now secondly, how about Phoebe? How about Phoebe? And I searched earlier, it's just Phoebe. It's just Phoebe that Paul mentioned, a servant, a diaconus. A diaconus. 
But I've already said, to use the word diaconess does not necessarily mean to mean an office of the deacon. It's the explanation why Phoebe was addressed as servant in the same way that Paul said to Timothy. By the way, even Timothy, he said, you will be a good servant. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, it's not doulos. Because sometimes servant, if you check the original, you'll find out that most of the time it's doulos, a slave. But this one here in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, it's diakonos. It's a minister. But Timothy was not a deacon. It was not an office. It just means he was a servant of Christ. Jesus is called a deacon several times. Romans 15 verse 8, Galatians 2.17 to mean a servant. And by the way, your government, our government in Romans chapter 13 and verse 4 is called diaconus. It is called a servant. So it is clear that not at all times the word diaconus is used as an office. There are a lot of times that it simply means a servant. A servant. So with that, our take is that the office of a deacon is for men. But all of us are called to serve. To function as diaconus. And if you know, if you, if, if we understand this and our heart is, we just want to serve, to have a formal office or not should not be an issue, isn't it? I think in Acts chapter 6, it was not much of elevating these people or your deacons. No, it is, it is to make sure that any important physical needs will be met. And for that to be met, then men should be needed or the office of the deacon is needed so that these men might have a sort of authority to organize and make sure that these needs are met. In fact, I see this not as a challenge of the women. I don't see women presenting themselves, I want to be a deacon pastor. Now, I don't, See that our women in the church loves to serve. That's, you know, this is a challenge. This is a challenge to the men. <laughs> Who's serving all the time in the church? Women. And even I myself, and there's something to organize. The first people that comes into my mind are the women. Because sometimes we as men needs to be challenged to come out and, and start serving and really serve all of us. This is actually a challenge to the church more than a challenge to the women. Women are always ready to serve. And because of our uh, refusal to take the lead then women are responsible enough that they will still do the things without the men leading them. And I wonder if we men in the church need to hear the word of Christ in Mark chapter 10, 42 to 45, that maybe we do not see the 
the privilege to be able to serve in those in those ways because maybe just maybe in our thinking leading means being on top but leading means serving waiting on tables more 10:45 so that's our stand as church deacons are men whose wives are dignified deacons are men whose wives are dignified these wives look while not holding a formal office as i've said earlier most likely we're also doing diaconal work serving work meaning they were serving together with their husband and while surely it is a great privilege to serve along with their wives it also entails greater risk it also entails greater risk about a biblical scholar of the 1800s uh William Kelly from the brethren commented on 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 11 ito po yung comment ni William Kelly very insightful sabi niya <clears throat> women in the de- nearest relationship with them are not forgotten so nearest relationship with the deacons and it means the wives they in like manner must be grave meaning dignified this is old english not slanderers sober meaning temperate and faithful in all things the duties of their husbands would give them opportunities of knowing much of delicate nature no yung mga confidential matters deacons will visit families na may pangangailangan and then you know pag pagka nandun na po kayo pag-uusapan niyo na yung nangyayari sa pamilya ano bang maitutulong and they would start to divulge confidential matters and imagine if the deacon will do that together with their wife and their wife could not control themselves therefore to be both dignified and evil speakers sober or temperate faithful in all things they were therefore to be both grave and not slanderers sorry i think there's not supposedly and <laughs> sober or temperate faithful in all things he said none but such could help their husbands aright it is the only way they can help their husband those who were otherwise would not only hinder but lead to constant difficulty and even scandal it is no wonder if you see that picture that the wives of the deacon should be dignified like their husbands there's just so much at stake for this reason again they too should be dignified or honorable and worthy of the respect they must not be gossips they must not be slanderers instead paul said they should be sober minded and faithful in all things about the necessity no yung importance na yung wife ng deacon should also be respectable look at what philip ryken wrote <laughs> basically designed with william kelly but philip ryken is a contemporary he said diaconal work often involves personal matters 
The private affairs of a house should remain private, except insofar as they require the spiritual care of church officers. The same point. Um, if whatever being talked in the house when the deacon uh, um, visited, it has to remain there. Many of these things should have to remain there. I always remind our elders in training when we are handling confidential matters, I always say, by all means, it has to remain confidential. Because in the event that we cannot keep ourselves and divulge some of these details that are not supposed to be divulged, the leaders will lose its respectability. If they have a wife, I would always say, they can share that to their wives as they are one with them, provided Provided that they can keep it too. Provided that they can keep it too. The same thing that we find here. Deacons who will be trusted by Sam families or individuals in church with some confidential matters should have wives that can keep themselves. Right? Their wives should be dignified because they can keep confidential matters. They are not slanderers. They strive to have a clear understanding on things before they speak. They are sober-minded. You know, they cannot be carried away. I like this because Paul did not say they should not drink too much wine. Maybe the women at that time were not drunkards like the men. Um, so Paul puts it in the positive. He said they should be sober-minded. But we know that drinking wine and sober-minded are two words that are actually associated with one another. And what Paul is saying here is that their wives cannot be, you know, cannot be overwhelmed by things to the point that they would lose their control and to apply to what we are focusing on. Do you know that if you learn something, it's like there's pride in it? I know something of that. And do you know that? That's why we go sip a lot. Because there is some form of pride that you know a secret. That you know a secret. And you cannot handle that information. You cannot handle that information. We say slip of a tongue. Pero no, it's not a slip of a tongue. You cannot handle your heart. And you said it to other, uh, to others as well. You, if that's you, you, you're not ready to be a deacon's wife. You know? We, or, or a pastor's wife, for that matter. And they are faithful. Third thing, they are faithful with whatever has been entrusted to them. Faithful in all things, which certainly includes these confidential matters. So the wives of a pastor, sorry, the wives of the deacons should be able to control their words, their minds, and their desires, so that they, like their husbands, are respectable are dignified. There's so much at stake here. Uh, the husband, of course, the church, but most importantly, the name of Christ. Being protective of the church and the gospel. I believe Paul makes sure that the church is well instructed in areas that Satan can use to destroy the work of the Lord. And he has to say, then the wives of the deacon should be as dignified as the deacon. You know, should be as dignified as the deacon. 
let us have a little bit of a balance here. Just a little bit of a balance. Because the wives joined their husband in the diaconal work, then women, women in the church, can do diaconal work. Women can visit. Women can serve on tables. Women, like the like all of us, can serve where service is needed. There's, there are just some few people that are placed by the church in order to make sure that the work will be done. It's hard. I realize the, the apostles, they know how important it is. They could not put their hand on it because they are focusing on word and prayer. But as a pastor, I understand their dilemma. They understand their dilemma because unless you are confident that there are certain people that you can trust, that the work will be done, you cannot sleep at night. No, you cannot sleep at night. Kailangan mo pa rin kumustahin. Well, meron na bang pagkain, meron na bang ganito, and so on and so forth. Because you want the, the work to be done. And so far, I want to challenge the men. Because when it comes to this, my heart, our heart is steadfast and at peace. Not because there are men who will take care of this, but because there are women who have been responsible for taking of, taking care of this kind of service. But one day we hope that men would be leading and overseeing these things. So the wives, here's our implication on this. The wives are church leaders. Either that of the deacons or the elders. I want to put the elders because I really believe that verse 11, these um, qualifications is applicable to the wives of the pastors, elders. The wives of church leaders, either that of the deacons or the elders, should also be respectable or dignified for the credibility and effectiveness of their work. Sorry, they done that. Of their work or their ministries and as a testimony of their respectable and godly lives. So I put it there because I think this is not just that the, the wives are, are, are um, expected to live this way. But remember, this is a qualification of the deacon. So it means this is also a testimony of the influence of the deacon to his wife. Because he is living a respectable and godly life, then, ang sabi nga nila, pag nagtatagal sa marriage, halos magkamukha na lang yung mag-asawa, di ba? Pati mukha, nagkamukha na. And so if, if, if the deacon is really living a godly life, it should be that his wife is influenced by his, by his godliness. Fifth, Fifth, I can answer questions after if you have some pushbacks. I'll answer questions. Uh, just come to me anytime. Fifth subpoint: faithful in all his household roles. Faithful in all his household roles. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, it reads: Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Managing their children and their households well. Now, guess what? I will not go through that in details. If you want to go through that in details, review our sermon on 
the qualifications of the elders, I was thinking, should I repeat myself? I will explain it the way I will, I have explained it when we were with the qualification of the elders. But yes, deacons must be a one woman man, meaning they are faithful to their wives. Also, they should be able to provide a gospel-centered leadership. If you remember, we defined that leadership inside the household. It should be a gospel-centered or maybe gospel-shaped leadership in the house toward their children. And not only towards their children, but even everyone in their household. What I want to emphasize is the consistency of the servanthood of the deacons, which I really think this is what Paul really wants to drive home here. Deacons should have proven that they are deacons, servant. They're not just serving, they are servants. It's who they are. Paul said in verse 11 that deacons should be proven blameless. Remember that. And what is the best way to prove that they are actually blameless but in their families? It is no wonder that Paul has said that his wife should live a dignified life. For she is the one who is always with him. Now the wife is always with the husband. And there should the influence should be strong. Thus, if he truly lives a blameless life and dignified life, should not his wife live a dignified life as well? But Paul continued to show how he should also conduct himself as a husband, as a father, and then to everyone who lives with his household. So the picture is beginning to be clear. There should be no crock in the life of a deacon. He should have the integrity. I mean, it's whole. His life is whole. I always remind myself that if people question my integrity, I should have a little bit of a confidence to say, then examine my family. Examine my family. For sure, in our families, it is the place where our flaws are rather clear. But it should also be the place where the people in our family sees our growth. They should be able to see, well, I know that he is, she ha he has a lot of flaws, but I see him growing. I've seen him becoming respectable. So to our deacons to be, see, Brother Rosel palang yung deacons in training natin. But we're really praying, I said, Brother Rosel, live a good life because, because we want you to inspire more deacons in the church. Because we need more deacons in uh, the church, which make me lost where I am. To the deacons to be, let me say this, our family does not lie. Now, I'm not saying our family will lie. They said, ball don't lie. Have you heard that? Or videos don't lie. If it's captured by the video, you, you could no longer lie. Videos don't lie. Families don't lie. In other words, what is going on with us in our families speaks the truth about us. What is going on with us in our families, that's the truth about us. 
Uh, we can fancy ourselves. Oh, people respect me in the church. People respect me somewhere. And if there's only one place and you will run to your families, if there's only one place that I'm not respected in the family, why is this so? Well, maybe the truth speaks. And your family doesn't lie. Maybe what is true is not outside the family. What is true is inside the family. From his inner life, his faith, his public life, and to his family life, then deacon should be blameless. There is no other way that we can prove that a man is ready for the office of the deacon. As the nature of this office, servanthood, the deacon should be a servant wherever you will place him. But most especially, he should be the family's biggest servant. He should be the family's biggest servant. See, I want to point out this one because deacons can be everywhere. Unlike the pastors, if you want to look for the pastor, find them in their study table. <laughs> find them there. But deacons can be everywhere. Where service is needed, the deacon is there. Sinong nangangailangan ng church, ng driver, deacons present. I will drive. Because of this, they can be anywhere, but they are nowhere to be found in their house. Their service outside the house can make them unavailable to serve their own family. You see the sense of self-control that the deacon should have. Because the tendency of running around and forgetting about your family. Men who are still prone to neglect their service to their own family cannot extend their availability yet to the church. Let them learn how to serve their own family first. And then we can be certain that they can serve the church well. Let them learn how to serve their family first. Then they can be, we can be certain as a church that they can serve the church well. Having pointed that deacons should be dignified, strong in the faith, proven blameless, have a dignified wife, and being faithful in all his roles in his household, it is clear that deacons should be mature and strong in the faith. Or stable in the faith. Here's the implication. The service of deacons should be cradled, should be cradled, carried by their godly character and deep faith. If it is to be credible before the church and pleasing before God. I've seen in my 20, 20 years nayata. 20 years of uh, being a Christian. <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of those um, who were serving in the church to the point to the point that they were always live, almost living in the church already. Back in Cebu, I saw a lot. <laughs> but the common thing about these people is that they were separated from their wives, their children are not believers. They do have a good standing. They don't have a good standing um, in their community. One time, there were people 
in the church and they were talking and they were looking at this man who's serving and he's great in serving. And then they were talking, I can still remember, and they were saying, Rabi ang sipag nitong taong ito. So, alam mo, kawawa yan. Iniwan ng asawa. And hindi na siya kinakausap ng mga anak niya. Naawa sila sa kanila and then sa kanya and he was serving very well. That's not a picture of the deacon. <laughs> like, grabe naman tong grabe naman tong tao to. Grabe, no? grabe talaga mag-serve halos hindi na tumitigil. And kaya sa grabing service niya, iniwan na ng asawa. That's what a deacon is. A deacon, before anything else, he serves his own family. My point is not to be mean on that person. My point is that those who will be appointed as deacons should be people whose character and faith are irreproachable. In this way, their service is credible and it's pleasing before. It's pleasing before God. <clears throat> Give me a few minutes. It leads us to our second point, um, which will not take long, I hope. A deacon who served well. This brings us to our second point. A good, has a good testimony and a great confidence in the gospel. We have a good testimony and a great confidence in the gospel. Look at what Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Now notice quickly that deacons here who served well will gain two things. They gain two things. Great testimony, great confidence. Great testimony, um, for themselves and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ uh, Jesus. Now clearly this is a reward of God to them. Somehow the Lord rewards them by affirming them uh, through great testimony and great confidence in the gospel. Let's go for the first one. Great testimony before the church and their community. Deacons who have served well gain will gain a good standing for themselves. And I agree that this is the Lord's earthly rewards for deacons who served well. But notice carefully that the Lord rewarded them through their blameless life. Through their blameless life. In, in, in some sense, you can say that this is a result of their blameless life. They gain a good standing. And then the question is, a good standing where or to whom? Divided, they said a good standing from God, a good standing from the church, a good standing from the community. And then I was thinking of it, what's our standard? Is a good standing before God, a good standing from the church, a good standing from the community? And then I realized after several hours of thinking, I realized this is futile. Why would I have to choose? Why don't I have the three? The good standing of this man comes from God, which only proves that he has a good standing before God. But because of this favor of God, a deacon who lived a blameless life will have a good standing before the church and a good standing before the community. And far from just thinking 
Pwede natin isipin, this is just an add-on to the already almost perfect resume. This is very important. This turns out, this is a reward, but this turns out to be another qualification of a deacon. Remember that deacons would be entrusted with money, confidential matters from the church, an important task is get good testimony is pivotal, crucial to his effectiveness. However, because this is a favor of God, a deacon should not be preoccupied of how others look at him. You know, this is a favor from God. It's God's work. It is not his work. What the deacon should occupy himself is how to live blamelessly. It's not like we are preoccupied how these people look at me. Bro, anong tingin mo sa akin? Tatanungin mo na lahat. You're so preoccupied with your reputation. No, that's a reward from God. Any respect from other people is a reward from the Lord. The, our business is to live blameless life. And the irony is, deacons who just seek to live blameless life will gain a good standing or a good testimony. While those who are preoccupied with having a good testimony, many times they are not living a blameless life. Secondly, living a blameless life, by living a blameless life, deacons gain a great confidence in the faith or great confidence in the gospel. Paul said that the deacons who served well gained also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I want you to look at it for a while. Also great, and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. When I first look at it, I was thinking, this refers to being assured that you are saved, meaning you are assured that you have a genuine faith. On careful medita- meditating on that, you realize, no, it's not about the subjective faith. It is about the objective faith. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they are not simply certain that they have faith. They are certain that Jesus saves. Two different things. And we can undermine that and think, well, it should be normal to all Christians. What is so great about this gain? What is so great about this favor from the Lord? Until you realize that many of us, from time to time, still doubt if you are saved. And you sin against the Lord. Sometimes you did not just mourn because, Lord, I, I... I hurt you. I do not want to, to hurt you anymore. You find yourself asking, your, asking yourself, do, am I saved? Why did I do this again? Now there's a beauty of this, how Paul puts as this one. You see, when we are counting our faith, counting on our faith, many times, or sorry, doubting our faith, many times the problem is that we do not the problem is not that we do not have the faith. The primary problem is you are focusing on ourselves, which is not faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ means our focus is in Him. 
These blessings means God, in His goodness and grace, will give deacons who served well the ability to focus on Christ and the understanding that what He has done is enough for sinners to be saved. Isn't this what most of us needs at certain point of our lives? Isn't this what it means to mature in the faith? To mature in the faith is not like you re- you don't or you're oblivious at the fact that you are focusing on your feelings. You're f- focusing on the condemnation that you felt. And you're not focusing on the truth about Jesus Christ. And growing in the faith means you now have the ability not to focus on how you feel, whatever that is, guilt, condemnation, but the ability to focus on the objective truth that if we put our faith, if we confess in our mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. May we all indeed choose to live a blameless life, hold on to our faith, that we might ourselves grow in our confidence that Jesus saves and say goodbye to those days that they without our own faith. You see, God will always bless when what is at stake is the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the beauty of the gospel. This is the beauty of Christian life. God will always bless when the name of His Son is at stake. So here's our main idea again. Deacons who served well are those who have a good and well-rounded testimony of their faith in the gospel to the church and their community. And very clear implications. Deacons should not only focus on serving without working out on their character and faith. We should be working out on our character and faith. Uh, We should study, yes, our own hearts and where are the idols of our hearts. And bring it to the Lord in confession and humility, asking the Lord to work in that area of our lives. Because as far as Paul is concerned, it is not even how good you are in serving. It's how you live your life. And that should be true to all of us as well, not only deacons. All of us who are serving, all of us who are serving in the church should grow in our character and faith. Have you ever thought we we really want to serve? And maybe the men in the church were thinking, I want to be a deacon. But sometimes we take lightly the materialistic heart that we have. Sometimes we um, neglect the fact that we are still easily drawn to lustful things. And yet Paul is clear, no, your focus should grow in your character and in the faith. So we should not consider the office of the deacon as inferior. No, it is not. There is no superior, there is no inferior in the church. We should not consider the office of the deacon as inferior to the office of the elders, but also hold the deacons to a high and biblical standard of faith and character. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.